0: Section Two of San Francisco Before and After the Earthquake by Will Irwin. This Libervox recording is in the public domain. Section Two The City That Was A Requiem of Old San Francisco. Part Two The Californian is the second generation of a picked and mixed ancestry. The merry, the adventurous, often the desperate, always the brave deserted the south and new england in eighteen forty nine to rush around the horn or to try the perils of the plains they found there a land already grown old in the hands of the spaniards younger sons of hidalgo and many of them of the best blood of spain to a great extent the pioneers intermarried with spanish women in fact except for a proud little colony here and there the old aristocratic spanish blood is sunk in that of the conquering race then there was an influx of intellectual french people largely overlooked in the histories of the early days and this latin leaven has had its influence brought up in a bountiful country where no one really has to work very hard to live nurtured on adventure zion of a free and merry stock the real native californian is a distinctive type as far from the easterner in psychology as the extreme southerner is from the yankee he is easy-going witty hospitable lovable inclined to be unmoral rather than immoral in his personal habits and easy to meet and to know above all there is an art sense all through the populace which sets it off from any other population of the country this sense is almost latin in its strength and the californian owes it to the leaven of latin blood the true californian lingers in the north for southern california has been built up by lungers from the east and middle west and is eastern in character and feeling almost has the californian developed a racial physiology he tends to size to smooth symmetry of limb and trunk to an erect free carriage and the beauty of his women is not a myth the pioneers were all men of good body they had to be to live and leave descendants the bones of the weaklings who started for el dorado in eighteen forty nine lie on the plains or in the hill cemeteries of the mining camps heredity began it climate has carried it on all things that grow in california tend to become large plump luscious fruit trees grown from cuttings of eastern stock produce fruit larger and finer if coarser in flavor than that of the parent tree as the fruits grow so the children grow a normal healthy californian woman plays out of doors from babyhood to old age the mixed stock has given her that regularity of features which goes with a blend of bloods the climate has perfected and rounded her figure out-of-doors exercise from earliest youth has given her a deep bosom the cosmetic myths have made her complexion soft and brilliant at the university of california where the student body is nearly all native the gymnasium measurements show that the girls are a little more than two inches taller than their sisters of vassar and michigan the greatest beauty show on the continent was the saturday afternoon matinee parade in san francisco women in so-called society took no part in dysfunction it belonged to the middle class but the upper classes have no monopoly of beauty anywhere in the world it had grown to be independent of the matinees From two o'clock to half-past five, a solid procession of Diana's, Hebes, and Juno's passed and repassed along the five blocks between Market and Powell and Sutter and Kearney, the line of San Francisco slang. Along the open-front cigar stores, characteristic of the town, gilded youth of the cocktail route gathered in knots to watch them there was something latin in the spirit of this ceremony it resembled church parade in buenos aires latin too were the gay costumes of the women who dressed brightly in accord with the city and the climate this gaiety of costume was the first thing which the eastern woman noticed and disapproved give her a year and she too would be caught by the infection of daring dress in this parade of tall deep-bosomed gleaming women one caught the type and longed sometimes for the sight of a more ethereal beauty for the suggestion of soul within which belongs to a new england woman on whom a hard soil has bestowed a grudged beauty for the mobility the fire which belongs to the frenchwoman the second generation of france was in this crowd it is true but climate and exercise had grown above their spiritual charm a cover of brilliant flesh it was the beauty of greece with such people life was always gay if the fairly parisian gaiety did not display itself on the streets except in the matinee parade it was because the winds made open-air cafés disagreeable at all seasons of the year the life careless went on indoors or in the hundreds of pretty estates ranches the californians call them which fringe the city san francisco was famous for its restaurants and cafes. probably they were lacking at the top probably the very best for people who do not care how they spend their money was not to be had but they gave the best fare on earth for the price at a dollar seventy-five cents a half dollar or even fifteen cents if one should tell exactly what could be had at copas for fifty cents or at the fashion for say thirty five no new yorker who has not been there would believe it the san francisco french dinner and the san francisco free lunch were as the public library to boston or the stockyards to chicago a number of causes contributed to this the country all about produced everything that a cook needs and that in abundance the bay was an almost untapped fishing-pond the fruit farms came up to the very edge of town and the surrounding country produced in abundance fine meats game all cereals and all vegetables but the chefs who came from france in the early days and stayed because they liked this land of plenty were the head and front of it they passed on their art to other frenchmen or to the clever chinese most of the french chefs at the biggest restaurants were born in canton china later the italians learning of this country where good food is appreciated came and brought their own style householders always dined out one or two nights of the week and boarding-houses were scarce for the unattached preferred the restaurants the eating was usually better than the surroundings meals that were marvels were served in tumble-down little hotels most famous of all the restaurants was the poodle dog there have been no less than four establishments of this name, beginning with a frame shanty, where in the early days a prince of French cooks used to exchange ragouts for gold dust. Each succeeding restaurant of the name has moved further downtown, and the recent poodle dog stands, uh, stands or stood. One mixes his tenses queerly in writing of this city, which is and yet is no more on the edge of the tenderloin in a modern five-story building and it typified a certain spirit that there was in san francisco for on the ground floor was a public restaurant where there was served the best dollar dinner on earth at least if not the best it ranked with the best and the others were in san francisco there, especially on Sunday night, almost every one went to vary the monotony of home cooking. Everyone who was any one in the town could be seen there off and on. It was perfectly respectable. A man might take his wife and daughter to the poodle-dog. On the second floor there were private dining-rooms, and to dine there with one or more of the opposite sex was risque, but not especially terrible. But the third floor, and the fourth floor— and the fifth the elevator man of the poodle dog who had held the job for many years and who never spoke unless spoken to wore diamonds and was a heavy investor in real estate there were others as famous in their way the zinc where at one time every one went after the theatre and tate's which has lately bitten into that trade the palace grill much like the grills of eastern hotels except for the price Delmonico's, which ran the poodle dog neck and neck to its own line, and many others humbler but great at the price, listen, o ye starved amid plenty to the tale of the Hotel de France. This restaurant stood on California Street, just east of Old St. Mary's Church. One could throw a biscuit from its back windows into Chinatown. It occupied a big ramshackle house, which had been a mansion of the gold days louis the proprietor was a frenchman of the bas pyrenees and his accent was as thick as his peasant soups the patrons were frenchmen of the poorer class or young and poor clerks and journalists who had discovered the delights of his hostelry the place exuded a genial gaiety of which louis throwing out familiar jokes to right and left as he mixed salads and carried dishes was the head and front first on the bill of fare was the soup mentioned before thick and clean and good next one of lewis's three cherubic little sons brought on a course of fish sole rock cod flounders or smelt with a good french sauce the third course was meat this came on en bloc the waiter dropped in the centre of each table a big roast or boiled joint together with a mustard pot and two big dishes of vegetables each guest manned the carving-knife in turn and helped himself to his satisfaction after that lewis with an air of ceremony brought on a big bowl of excellent salad which he had mixed himself For beverage, there stood by each plate a perfectly cylindrical pint glass, filled with new watered claret. The meal closed with fruit in season, all that the guests cared to eat. I have saved a startling fact to close the paragraph. The price was fifteen cents. If one wanted black coffee, he paid five cents extra, and Lewis brought on a beer glass full of it why he threw in wine and charged extra for after-dinner coffee was one of Lewis's professional secrets adulterated food at that price not a bit of it the olive oil in the salad was pure california product why adulterate when he could get it so cheaply the wine too was above reproach for Lewis made it himself every autumn he brought tons and tons of cheap mission grapes set up a winepress in his back yard and had a little festival vintage of his own the fruit was small and inferior but fresh and lewis himself in speaking of his business said that he wished his guests would eat nothing but fruit it came so cheap the city never went to bed there was no closing law so that the saloons kept open nights and sundays at their own sweet will most of the cafes elected to remain open until two o'clock in the morning at least this restaurant life however does not express exactly the careless pleasure-loving character of the people in great part their pleasures were simple inexpensive and out-of-doors no people were fonder of expeditions into the country of picnics which might be brought off in almost any season of the year and of long tours in the great mountains and forests hospitality was nearly a vice as in the early mining days if they liked the stranger the people took him in at the first meeting the san francisco men had him put up at the club at the second he invited him home to dinner as long as the stranger stayed, he was being invited to week-end parties at ranches, to little dinners in this or that restaurant, and to the houses of his new acquaintances, until his engagements grew beyond hope of fulfillment. Perhaps there was rather too much of this kind of thing. At the end of a fortnight, a stranger with a pleasant smile and a good story left the place a wreck this tendency ran through all grades of society except perhaps the sporting people who kept the tracks and the fighting game alive these also met the stranger and also took him in centres of man hospitality were the clubs especially the famous bohemian and the family the latter was an offshoot of the bohemian it had been growing fast and vying with the older organization for the honor of entertaining pleasing and distinguished visitors the bohemian club whose real founder is said to have been the late henry george was formed in the seventies by newspaper writers and men working in the arts or interested in them it had grown to a membership of seven hundred and fifty it still kept for its nucleus painters writers musicians and actors amateur and professional they were a gay group of men and hospitality was their avocation yet the thing which set this club off from all others in the world was the midsummer high jinks the club owns a fine tract of redwood forest fifty miles north of san francisco on the russian river there are two varieties of big trees in california the sequoia gigantia and the sequoia sempervirens the great trees of the mariposa grove belong to the gigantia species the sempervirens however reaches the diameter of sixteen feet and some of the greatest trees of this species are in the bohemian club grove it lies in a cleft of the mountains and up one hillside there runs a natural out of doors stage of remarkable acoustic properties in august the whole bohemian club or such as could get away from business went up to this grove and camped out for two weeks on the last night they put on the jinx proper a great spectacle in praise of the forest with poetic words music and effects done by the club in late years this has been practically a mask or an opera it cost about ten thousand dollars it took the spare time of scores of men for weeks yet these seven hundred and fifty business men professional men artists newspaper workers struggled for the honor of helping out on the jinx and the whole thing was done naturally and with reverence it would not be possible anywhere else in this country the thing which made it possible was the art spirit which is in the californian it runs in the blood who's who in america is long on the arts and on learning and comparatively weak in business and the professions now someone who has taken the trouble has found that more persons mentioned in who's who by the thousand of the population were born in massachusetts than in any other state but that massachusetts is crowded closely by california with the rest nowhere the institutions of learning in massachusetts account for her preeminence the art spirit does it for california the really big men nurtured on california influence are few perhaps but she has sent out an amazing number of good workers in painting in authorship in music and especially in acting high society in san francisco had settled down from the rather wild spirit of the middle period it had come to be there a good deal as it is elsewhere there was much wealth and the hills of the western edition were growing up with fine mansions outside of the city at burlingame there was a fine country club centering a region of country estates which stretched out to menlo park this club had a good polo team which played every year with teams of englishmen from southern california and even with teams from honolulu the foreign quarters are worth an article in themselves chief of these of course chinatown of which every one has heard who ever heard of san francisco a district six blocks long and two blocks wide housed thirty thousand chinese when the quarter was full the dwellings were old business blocks of the early days but the chinese had added to them had rebuilt them had run out their own balconies and entrances and had given the quarter that feeling of huddled irregularity which makes all chinese built dwellings fall naturally into pictures not only this they had burrowed to a depth of a story or two under the ground and through this ran passages in which the chinese transacted their dark and devious affairs as the smuggling of opium the traffic in slave girls and the settlement of their difficulties in the last five years there was less of this underground life than formerly for the board of health had a clean-up some time ago but it was still possible to go from one end of chinatown to the other through secret underground passages the tourist who always included chinatown in his itinerary saw little of the real quarter the guides gave him a show by actors hired for his benefit in reality the place amounted to a great deal in a financial way there were clothing and cigar factories of importance and much of the pacific rice tea and silk importing was done in the hands of the merchants who numbered several millionaires mainly however it was a tenderloin for the house-servants of the city for the san francisco chinaman was seldom a laundryman he was too much in demand at fancy prices as a servant the chinese lived their own lives in their own way and settled their own quarrels with the revolvers of their high binders there were two theatres in the quarter a number of rich joss houses three newspapers and a chinese telephone exchange there is a race feeling against the chinese among the working people of san francisco and no white man except the very lowest outcast, lived in the quarter on the slopes of telegraph hill dwelt the mexicans and spanish in low houses which they had transformed by balconies into a semblance of spain above and streaming over the hill were the italians the tenement quarter of san francisco shone by contrast with those of chicago and new york for while these people lived in old and humble houses they had room to breathe and an eminence for light and air their shanties clung to the side of the hill or hung on the very edge of the precipice overlooking the bay on the verge of which a wall kept their babies from falling the effect was picturesque and this hill was the delight of painters it was all more like italy than anything in the italian quarter of new york and chicago the very climate and surroundings the wine country close at hand the bay for their Latin boats helped them over by the ocean and surrounded by cemeteries in which there are no more burials there is an eminence which is topped by two peaks and which the spanish of the early days named after the breasts of a woman the unpoetic americans had renamed it twin peaks at its foot was mission dolores the last mission planted by the spanish padres in their march up the coast and from these hills the spanish looked for the first time upon the golden bay Many years ago, someone set up at the summit of this peak a sixty-foot cross of timber. Once a high wind blew it down, and the women of the fair family then had it restored so firmly that it would resist anything. It has risen for fifty years above the gay, careless, luxuriant, and lovable city, in full view from every eminence and from every valley. It stands to-night above the desolation of ruins.' The bonny, merry city, the good, gray city. Oh, that one who has mingled the wine of her bounding life with the wine of his youth should live to write the obituary of old San Francisco. End of section two.